Here we go. The Earth Fox Podcast. Welcome to the Earth Fox Podcast. With 404. Missing link. Yeah, he's a great man, by the way. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And visit us at vox404.com. Enjoy the show. Do you like to fall asleep with the TV on? No, actually, I hate it. <laughs> You're like my wife then. I, <laughs> I love it. So my, my history has been always, like since I was 11 years old, maybe. And this all stems from uh, watching horror movies when I was too young. I love horror movies. Do you? You know, it's, 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 only, it's the only genre of movies I don't really watch. Oh, well, we're getting divorced. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's good. That's what makes this a, a great show, be, uh, difference in perspective. It's, it's, it's necessary. It wouldn't be great content if we just uh, agreed with each other the whole time. But I love horror of movies. Course. And I loved horror movies from a young age. And I would go visit my dad on the weekend because my parents were divorced when I was, you know, like four months old. I mean, not divorced, but they split up. And uh, so I watched, you know, like Night of the Living Dead, uh, the 90s remake, not the original. Mm. The original is it's almost unwatchable. But anyway, I still love it. American Werewolf in London which is still probably like top five of my favorite horror movies. Or I mean, not even like favorite horror movies, like favorite movies, period. So I had a hard time. Basically, it created this uh, like fear of the dark complex when I was a little kid. But that was fixed by uh, leaving the radio on at night when I would go to sleep. I could just pay attention to what was coming through the radio, kind of focus my attention there and not think about all of the things that were crawling out from under my bed to attack me at night. <laughs> <laughs> so once I left the house and technology advanced, I would leave the TV on with something playing. Like I would, I would put on like a, uh, South, you know, South Park DVD or something to not, I mean, like when I became an adult, obviously I wasn't afraid of the dark anymore, but it became, you know, lights off, everything's dark, totally quiet. And my brain is just spinning the whole time thinking about, oh, what did I do today? What am I going to do tomorrow? What's happening the week after that? What about this? What about that? Especially like having a musician's brain, I would get up. After laying in bed for an hour, I would get up and go into the next room and record a guitar melody or something that was just rattling around in my brain and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And once I got it recorded and kind of arrived at a finishing point for that moment, I could return to bed and try to fall asleep. And so that's sort of been my nighttime routine. Put something on the TV and just drift off to sleep. But my wife, she has to have, but, she, but not silent. And this is the part that kind of drives me crazy. 
She doesn't like to have it completely silent. She likes to have the fan on. And before that, it was like a white noise machine. Which I almost find, I mean, is, is it totally silent in your room as you're going to bed? Or do you like some kind of white noise? I have white noise uh, kind of as standard because I have two servers in my room that kind of hum along really, really quietly. Mm. So would it be disturbing if, if those were suddenly gone? Do you, do you think you'd have to have some kind of replacement? No, no. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. See, I think if I couldn't have a TV going, some sort of, some, I mean, at this point in my life, it's really just something to lock my attention onto. But, but now it's like the light is too uh, uh, distracting. Like, I have to have it totally dark in the room. I have a really hard time falling asleep if there's anything. Like, even the light from my phone charger is still because I have one of those wireless chargers where you just, you know, set your phone on the on the block. Oh, and, and yeah. A light turns on to let you know that it's charging. Even that thing is too bright. I have to, like, put the television remote in front of it because it just it. I mean, it's like blasting my face and I can detect it when my eyes are shut. So, yeah, you would hate my room because it. I mean, I got like a network switch that has about eight LEDs like blinking like all night. <laughs> yep, that sounds like a torture chamber. <laughs> yeah, you'd be you'd literally be like wide awake. <laughs> and yeah. and then it depends too. Like I'm always a little bit hyped before we kick this show off. So I'm thinking like, oh, you know, what are we going to talk about? And then I fret a little bit like, oh, is there enough to talk about? Like, what are we going to talk about? And then by the time it's, it's always, yeah, it's always good, bro. But well, and by the time it's go time, I'm like, oh, my God, how are we going to talk about all of this stuff that we're supposed to talk about in the limited <laughs> amount of time yeah. Yeah. that we have to talk about it? And then, oh, and then I'll wait, like, I'll wake up. So my kid is sick. Finally, like, it's crazy. Two years ago, when it was, you know, pandemic era, uh, like my kid was just starting school. And so I had this sort of back and forth argument with myself. And also, I, you know, taking the advice of other parents who have had their kids in school for longer than mine have been there. I, it, I guess it is just sort of uh, almost like a rite of passage. You start your kid in school. And then she brings back every virus known to man and you catch it and share it with your family and you all spread it around and you're sick for the next 18 months. But this year, finally, I don't know if we've come over the hump or what. I mean, of course, my conspiracy brain thinks, no, nah, they they were just releasing viruses like <laughs> crazy, trying to find, you know, whatever, trying to sell more pharmaceuticals is the most like the most probable reason that it happens, which is also why we have, you know, poisonous chemicals in our food because the pharmaceutical industry is the largest industry in the world. Or I should say the healthcare industry is more, mm. more mm -hmm. accurate. So my six-year-old is sick for like, like legitimately sick See, she's really brilliant and she knows that she's brilliant because we, as the stupid parents that we are, always tell her that she's so brilliant and she reads above her 
grade level in in school and and the whole nine but so now she thinks that she can fool us and she doesn't like going to school so you can see where this is going <laughs> she has learned how to get you know she, what yeah, she, she wants she's learned that if she's sick she doesn't have to go to school so <laughs> she's been wow she's been a quote unquote sick several times since the the years that we were plagued with all of these childhood illnesses but she comes into uh our bedroom at like one o'clock in the morning this morning and i didn't hear anything that was going on all i knew is now it's like great it's quarter to two and i'm still awake and the fan is droning to the point where it's distracting and i almost like need to put a pillow over my head or what i do now instead of because my wife doesn't like having the tv on because it's too bright and or she pays too much attention to what's on the tv especially cuz like stand up comedy is a thing we both enjoy so if i put on a stand up comedy special she's trying to fall asleep while listening to all of the jokes and laughing to herself yeah. while she's trying to fall asleep. <laughs> Not a problem for me. I welcome that to the drone of the fan. So I wake up in the middle of the night. Everything's shut off. Except for the fan. And I'm just wide awake listening to the. Going, this is going to make me crazy. Like, what do I do? <laughs> So if I happen to stay up later than my wife, which is most of the time, like we rarely go to bed at the same time anymore. I'll put in an earbud and listen to whatever I need to listen to through my phone. But I don't like picking that up again in the middle of the night because it becomes this whole, it's, it's like, a damned if I do, damned if I don't situation. If I don't yeah. try to replace something, what you know, whatever's going on in my brain with something from my device, then I just lay there and think, I really should do that so that I can fall asleep faster. And then the next thing I know, I've been laying in my bed since, you know, for an hour or whatever, hypothetically. This didn't happen today, thankfully. But it's a struggle. It's a struggle that I didn't deal with when I was a much younger man. But now, I don't know. The, it's it's the, the benefits of getting older. The benefits of getting older. I like that. Yeah, there, which there are none. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> you have nothing to look forward to. Certainly. Yeah, I know. I'm. Uh, I literally. I. I turned uh, 25 like a couple of weeks back, and uh, it's all over. Well, you can you can rent a car now. <laughs> oh well, yeah. Oh, we in America, really I can. I, I know I can in. Can I did in Canada though when I was there last year, and I was only 24. Oh, you lucky dog! What's yeah. it like to rent a car in the UK? Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not totally sure. I've never done it. Um, I've never done it. Uh, I always thought it would be fun. 
to go on on vacation not like uh because you know if, if if you get on a plane and fly to a different city naturally un- unless you want to take cabs or ubers everywhere you rent a car but i thought it would be fun to like rent a car in your local town and then road trip to where but then by the time it gets there but you know by the by the time the day arrives and it's time to depart on vacation, I already pretty much don't want to go because I'm looking <laughs> at the expense <laughs> that, that yeah. we're racking up. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, why are we doing this? Why are, why are we spending this money? That's that has so to funny. be what, like, some people in the Nikki Haley campaign have to be thinking oh, that comes. to themselves. Like, why? Yeah, you like that? Mm, oh yeah, that was a fucking excellent. Master. By the way, if you're listening, if you're listening at home, that was called <laughs> professional shit right there, man. I want you to rewind that thirty seconds and just and just listen to that happening right then. These these people that are so Nikki Haley lost again last night in New Hampshire. She but she won like forty three percent of the vote to Donald Trump's fifty four percent, and we're talking Republican voters. Like this mm-hmm. isn't, I mean, in theory, there's more to get into regarding that aspect of the whole ordeal. But the establishment candidates, these, the, the people that are funding Nikki Haley's campaign, I, I mean, their wives must be going, why are you, why are you spending this money? The complete opposite between me and my wife when it comes to taking vacations but Nikki Haley is, she's spending her ass off and continuing to lose to Donald Trump. And here's, here's some uh, acceptance speech, uh, which I wanted to play because he brought Vivek Ramaswamy up on stage after, he, and he only got, so Vivek got like 7% of the vote, like pretty sad and pathetic and, and disappointing. Cause I really like him. Yeah, me too. But you know, he's a, he's, he's the new guy on the block. So I kind of get it. Yeah. He, he has, well, he's 37 and he has no political experience, right. but he's a great speaker. Right. And he was running on this sort of, uh, like the last efforts of his campaign, which many people thought was a mistake were Trump's going to get indicted or Trump, Trump's going to get convicted. They're going to take him off the ballot. So vote for me because I will save Donald Trump. I will pardon him. And, you know, I will make this all go away. Many people said that was a mistake. Maybe it was. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But he, like DeSantis, I mean, he was never really a threat to Donald Trump. For all of those reasons that we just mentioned. And yep. he was asked several times, what do you think about being VP? Would you be Donald Trump's VP? And of course, he kind of owes it to his supporters and his donors to say, no, I'm going the distance. I want to be the man. But now he's on stage with Donald Trump after this, uh, you know, in, in part of his acceptance speech here after New Hampshire. I said... I can go up and I can say to everybody, oh, thank you for the victory. It's wonderful. It's what or I can go up and say, who the hell was the imposter that went up on the stage before 
and like claimed a victory. She did very poorly, actually. He's talking about Nikki Haley after the uh, the Iowa caucuses a couple of weeks ago. Actually, she had to win. The governor said she's going to win. She's going to win. She's going to win. Then she she failed badly. Now, I have here <laughs> if he promises to do, to do it in a minute or less. But the only person more angry than let's say me, but I don't get too angry. I get even the only person. The only per because he was there and he did fantastically well, by the way, and then he endorsed me. And we don't have to talk about Tim Scott, who, by the way, just got engaged. We have to tell you. And that's more important than all of this stuff. But a man that got to know her very well is Vivek. I said, Vivek. I said, Vivek. Go up and say a few words about it. He has to do it in one minute or less. And then we're going to just say, we had one hell of a night tonight. And one other thing before Vivek comes. Do you see that poll? We're going to put it up. We have beaten Biden. You could almost say, who can't? Who the hell can't? The man can't put two sentences together. He can't find the stairs off a stage. Who can't? But Vivek, one minute or less. Go do it, Vivek. What we saw tonight is America first defeating America last. That's what we saw tonight. If you want America last, you can go to Joe Biden. You got another candidate still apparently in the Republican primary. Cut your social security to fork over more money to Ukraine so some kleptocrat can buy a bigger house. Go to Nikki Haley. But you know who delivered a double-digit victory tonight? It is a double-digit victory as of right now. Is this man, Donald J. Trump, the leader of America first? And that means something. Now, USA and Donald Trump, America first. Now, I got, I got 30 seconds left. I want to make this point here, okay? We got to say this. We got to say this right. What we see right now with her continuing in this race is the ugly underbelly of American politics, where the mega donors are trying to do one thing when we the people say another. And it's up to us to we the people to at long last say, hell no, we the people create a government that is accountable to us. And we the people have said tonight, we want again, as we did in Iowa, Donald J. Trump. And so you want to actually speak truth. That's the truth tonight. And the only thing they're rooting for is an ugly thing that we don't want to see happen. That's what these people are rooting for, is playing to say long enough so the Reed Hoffmans and the ugly Democratic George Soros Juniors who are funding the lawsuits against Trump can prop up their puppet. We say no to that vision. I say the general election begins tonight, and this man will win it in a landslide. God bless you, Donald J. Trump. Vote Trump USA. And there he goes. Yeah, well, that's a pretty shining endorsement if I've ever heard one by, so he's, know, before, man. Of course, Trump hasn't announced anything. Yeah. But he's got Vivek on stage. He's got Tim Scott on stage. Yeah. Both probably looking at cabinet positions or, yeah. or some sort of work. I mean, this, this is kind of what everybody said the primary was when everyone was lining up when Trump was clearly the front runner, but all of these people were lining up as quote unquote challengers. 
that they were all just playing for a spot in the mm-hmm. cabinet, a job in the White House when Trump wins, if, yeah. if Trump wins. I'm still not convinced that there's going to be a fair election, but we don't have to get into that again. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be so interesting. I, I want to ask you this, though. I, uh, do you think Nikki Haley will continue if she doesn't do very well in South Carolina? Gosh, I don't, I don't know. My, my feeling now, my concern is that Nikki Haley is, will try to do something like run as an independent to try to pull oh, votes yeah. away from Trump. Because it's right. Been, so I see. So solidify the not Trump base. Right. On a more independent route. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. There's oh, no, been, I, I, yeah, I get that. I mean, that, that, that may be the strategy. I think she'll do whatever her big money donors tell her to do. Yeah, that much is that much is certain. I'm sure those big money donors are like, let's just hang on. Let's see what happens in South Carolina. You know, there's still, you know, Vivek is a nobody. Trump could get indicted or blocked or whatever. So we want you to just keep going as the, I think the donors want a corporate-esque Republican still running. Um, because they're a lot easier to control than people like Trump, which doesn't need donor money that much. And well, Vivek and is the same. Like I, he, you know, he has enough money himself. So, I yeah, I'm I'm curious about his motivations. I mean, it it, it was kind of the same. He's just like Indian Trump because he comes yeah. from this same position of like I have plenty of money. I don't need to do this but I see what's happening to the country and I think we just can't have this. I have to step up and do something. And this is what has set the corporate establishment against candidates like Trump and, and Vivek because I mean, the only thing that uh, the establishment had on Vivek is, Oh, nobody knows who you are. So we can give you, as much or as little FaceTime as we decide, and no one's going to be any the wiser. If they try to do that to somebody like Trump, there's going to be immediate outrage and backlash because, you know, 75 million people voted for him last time. And even more people are voting for him this time. It's it's similar in a way to when Andrew Yang uh, ran, except I, I believe that Vivek is much better at articulating his position to people that actually are real people and want to vote for him. I do believe that if Trump wasn't running, that Vivek would probably take a sizable amount of voters. Well, yeah, the, the everyone else, the Donald Trump base, the Donald Trump base would. would yeah, be for sure. Him. So, yeah. So I, yeah, I think people that say that, you know, Vivek is looking this, maybe not this year, but he's looking at it from in four or five years time. I think that's something that's very, very enticing for, you know, future, future people. You, you can imagine that, let, let's say, for example, Vivek is or isn't in the cabinet or whatever, or is the vice president or something. You can imagine that, you know, he's going to do a pretty good job this year of showing face. He's got a lot of face time. People know who he is now. People know that he stood on business with Trump when he was running. And then in four years' time, he'll go again for the primaries. And I can imagine he'll do a pretty decent job of, of cleaning up. So he's probably looking at 
you know, what year are we now? 2024. So he's probably looking at 2028, 2029. Yeah, basically Donald Trump is going to... he will establish the candidate to beat for 2028. And it will most likely be his president or his vice president. So no pressure, yeah. but whoever he, I mean, the, the Republican base, or I should say the majority of the American people will be looking to Trump's vice president in 2028. And it could have been yeah, Ron DeSantis. It could, it, yeah, I mean, to be fair, it could have been. If Ron DeSantis was less boring, I think... Uh, he ran a terrible campaign. He really did. And I, I do believe that if Ron DeSantis had a better team and was, was better at articulating his point on a more federal level than just a state level, I think he could have been really dangerous for Trump. But unfortunately, he fell right into Trump's lap and did what Trump wanted him to do which was engage. The only thing I'll give Nikki Haley is that the only thing that Trump really struggles with is when people just don't do what he wants and just die. And Nikki Haley is just refusing to fucking go. So it's actually kind of irritating for him because I'm sure he's really wanting to get a quick victory here and then focus on smashing down Joe Biden as, as, as fast as possible. And I can imagine Nikki Haley being like this, you know, cockroach that refuses to die is kind of frustrating for him, even though in the grand scheme of things, she's not a real threat. Well, everybody that doesn't want Donald Trump in 2024, everybody that's afraid of Donald Trump being the president again, they're all pumping money into Nikki Haley's campaign because she's his number one opponent right now. And then when the primaries are over, it will be whoever the Democrat is. And there's a whole, I mean, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Democrats do if and when Nikki Haley drops out of this race. I've got a little bit of her uh, speech from last night. Oh, yeah, let's hear her annoying voice. <laughs> I want to congratulate Donald there Trump on his victory tonight. He earned it. <laughs> oh, it's awful. And I want to acknowledge that. Now, you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves saying this race is over. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. campaign, there were 14 of us running, and we were at 2% in the polls. Well, I'm a fighter. And I'm scrappy. And now we're the last one standing next to Donald Trump. 
And today we got close to half of the vote. We still have a ways to go, but we keep moving up. Dude, she keeps moving up because <laughs> because, yeah. because Democrats <laughs> Democrats were voting for her in the New Hampshire primary. This was it was all it was all part of the plan. What happened to this? I don't know why it it always takes me here. Stupid. This is the worst. Uh, I I I have love for brave and the brave browser oh because, yeah because they're trying to take it to uh you know to google and and to uh microsoft and their browsers that track everything you do across your entire computer and then sell all of that data to the the people that want it and you know i'm not trying to besmirch you and your you know your personal company but uh, <laughs> it's it's really like it's a big business, man. It, it is. Well, and it's know? an exercise and, uh, in futility, right? To try to oppose it because it's just I mean, it really App, is. Apple comes up with this thing that says, uh, would you like to ask this app not to track everything that you do across your device? And you can say yes. But then what happens after that is really kind of a mystery. But it, it just it drives me crazy because. If I copy and paste a link into the browser and then later on down the road, days later, I, I just do the, you know, type in the first few word or letters of the URL to get it to autofill so that you can just, you know, hit enter and go. Dude, it autofills the last link that I pasted into the browser bar. So it doesn't just take me to the home page. It takes me to that specific post uh, associated with the link that I pasted into the browser. Oh, right. And then when you're, and this is the worst part. I'm sorry, brave. I appreciate you, but you're just whatever pathetic. <laughs> when you click back to go from whatever article or, or, or link you clicked back to your search results, you're all the way back at the top of the page. It doesn't take you back. It doesn't save your place from where you were scrolling. It takes you all the Damn. way back to the top. So you got to scroll that, that, that all hurts. the way back. Yeah. It, oh, oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's infuriating. <laughs> yeah. That's how you get carpal tunnel. That's carpal tunnel 101 when you're fucking scrolling back that far. But this is, this was the big plan of the Democrats in New Hampshire is to have all of their voters turn out to vote for Nikki Haley to try to stop Trump because that's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter that. Oh, I I see. Right. I understand. Well, and here's, here's the segment from CNN talking about exactly what happened. Take a look at the numbers among Trump voters. 70% of them, according to our exit polls are registered Republicans. 
Donald Trump, his support, 27% of his voters are registered undeclared. I don't know why they don't shut the stupid music off. Uh, 3% were unregistered before today. Look at how that compares with Nikki Haley. It's a complete reversal. It's an alternate universe. Among Haley voters, 70% are registered undeclared. Only 27% are registered Republicans. Oh, what a big shock. So it all plays out according to plan. And she still lost. She still lost. That's so bad, isn't it? Which which just goes to show, like, once it comes down to crunch time with the big election coming down, like, are those Democratic voters going to vote for Nikki Haley? Or are they going to vote for no. the incumbent Joe Biden or whoever the fuck they put up there? But it's going to be Joe. They're going to fucking vote for Joe. Because, you know, people always vote for the incumbent. It's true. And, and for some reason, the billionaires and foreign interest well i can guess why the foreign interests want to see four more years of joe biden because it's going great for them if you oh yeah sure sure yeah i wouldn't be surprised if the houthi rebels endorsed donald trump in a big show of uh, ak-47 or, or and you you mean joe biden no, because I, th- I think I don't think Donald Tr- I don't think Donald Trump would would keep going. I think he would probably stop shooting shit at them. Oh, oh, in the yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Donald Trump is very pro-Israel, but I know Donald Trump also uh, is is sort of. I don't know if he's isolationist, but he was a big fan of peace. He definitely. I I I just don't. But boy, that's really interesting, and it's it's not something I've contemplated until now it's quite obvious what donald trump would do in ukraine he would say you know all right no more money knock it off or or do do whatever you're gonna do but in israel see donald trump this was one of the the turning points for me and donald trump back in you know 2015 when he gave his speech at apac which is American, Israeli, something, something, something. I don't know the acronym, but it's a big Israeli Jewish group. It was one of the best speeches I have ever seen him give. And it was a point where I, where I thought, okay, that was, that was very regal, very presidential, very impressive. And he's always maintained that he is big time pro-Israel. And I mean, that's just another thing that's going to make the left hate him because it's and isn't it so interesting that the left has come out so ferociously anti-Israel with the exception of a few big names like like some people. It's so funny. They they they've gone along on uh, F Donald Trump. They've gone along on, you know, get yourself vaccinated. They've gone along with all of the other leftist causes but then hamas attacks israel and suddenly they say no that is that is i feel personally violated by this ordeal and i won't tow the leftist line against israel and it's created this whole division it, uh, in the left uh, much to my delight because I, I don't, regardless of where you stand on the Israel-Palestine issue, you can't support terrorism. 
And, and if, if you claim to support terrorism, I don't believe you. And I question your honesty. Yeah. Because I, I believe personally that anybody that's coming down with this pro Hamas uh, rhetoric yeah. has some, <clears throat> has some ulterior motive. Yeah. I mean, my, my biggest concern is, is, um, you know, I'm looking at the situation at the moment between the U.S. and the U.K., and of course, we're now engaging with the Houthi rebels in, Ye- in Yemen. Yeah, because in of the, the, you in know, the very, sea, eh? in to be fair, justifiably so, um, you know, to some degree. But I am worried that it is going to escalate the situation significantly. Uh, both countries are now gearing up for a potential war with Iran, and it just smells like fucking Iraq all over again. You know, the U.S. and the U.K. are going to fucking gear up and go over to the Middle East and just blow the shit out of it and accomplish fuck all. I am so concerned with this. And I just hope that Trump, who has shown at least a little bit more of a pragmatic approach to conflict, um, he, he seems to weigh it up more like a business person where it's like, what is the, what is the profit and loss if we go to war with Iran? Like, is it cheaper for us to just put our ships in the sea and, and just intercept the missiles or is it better for us to invade and just wipe them off the face of the earth i don't think joe biden and his team seem to understand that and neither do the team in the uk they're just like fuck it it just seems like a good excuse to distract people so we're just going to start talking about we're going to take the war to iran and fucking put boots on the ground or some bullshit well this That's is my why, biggest concern this is why the establishment wants nikki haley because yeah. If Joe she would Biden, love that, wouldn't she? Oh yeah, she's about it. She's yeah. all, but but that's. I don't know that that's necessarily. So she likes to say that her husband is deployed because her husband is, you know, he's in the armed forces. A, you right. Know, a position of power, no doubt. Right. Yeah, but deployed where to a fucking office? Yeah, it, like, well, yeah. I mean, anywhere as long as it as long as they the fact checkers can go and see. Oh, yeah, his status is currently deployed. Then they can't, you know, they can't rake right. her for for making up stories. So when anybody comes at her with her war hawkish policies, she says, "I don't want war. My husband is deployed," and then that sufficiently def- deflects the question. But if Joe Biden, if Joe Biden engages in war, open armed conflict with with Russia or with China or with Iran, that's a black mark against him. The American people aren't going to like that because they don't know. Fucking no. Nobody likes war. Nobody likes war. Except for the people that get rich. Right, right, right. Waging war. Right, right. Because I think the biggest, the, the, I honestly think the biggest concern for us in the West is uh, this pending war with Iran. I, I think the chances of us going to full-blown war with Russia is very low. I think the chances of us going to full-blown war with China is very low. But I think the chances of us going to war with Iran is very high. And it's for one simple reason. And that's because our countries are so much bigger and so much more um, experienced than Iran that they see it as almost like a soft target. If we had to go to war with Russia, they're, they're immediately going, holy shit, okay, it's like a completely different situation. 
But for them, it looks, you know, it looks just like another, oh, let's topple the government and install, you know, quote unquote, democracy in there. Like, like they, they make it some kind of like peace operation. We're going to restore peace to Iran or some shit. Um, and Iran wants to see, concern. Yeah. I, Iran wants to see Israel wiped off the map. Right. It, it wants to see the systematic destruction of all infidels, but they're all yeah. the way over in fucking the <laughs> Middle East. So, you know, I'm like, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to spend a shitload of money and blow some people up. Then what they're going to do is they're going to train up some splinter cell of terrorists in the U.S. And, and get like maybe five grand's worth of fucking explosive and go and kill a shitload of people for free. Like, you know, the, the, where, where, where are we winning in this? I don't get it. Yeah, that, that is what it's coming down to. I think that act, actually explains why the West hasn't been more active. And, and of course, in engaging with the, with the Houthis in Yemen now opens us up to, to terror attacks. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly surprised it, it hasn't happened yet, but it, it could. I'm sure, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Because, I mean, both of our governments have been historically terrible at preventing and even tracking known terrorist operations. I know the ones in the UK, you know, they'll be like, yeah, we knew about him. It's yeah. like, what? Why didn't you fucking do anything then? If you knew, if you knew he was like potentially a terrorist, like if someone is potentially a terrorist, that should be pretty serious. If there's someone's a potential terrorist and then they go and do something, it's like, well, you know, if you're going to break my constitutional rights or you're going to break my rights to like track people, at least have it end up with something, you know, breaking my fucking privacy and then it not ended up with anything anyways. That's fucking bullshit. You know what I mean? Well, so if you're going to do like, yeah, fuck, go for it, man. It's we, we've been set up to be in this position where the, the immigrants, I mean, that's, that's who they are now in our, in our culture. The immigrants mm-hmm. are the terrorists mm. going all the way back to 2001 with the, the World Trade Center attack. Then it started rolling out. Oh, the it's the Arabs. The Arabs are the dirty savages in the Middle East. This in this whole cultural movement that then quickly, you know, and and then uh, it got it's just it's so bizarre. Then we elect Barack Hussein Obama just seven years after this happens. Bizarrely, like when I heard that guy's name, I thought, no way he's getting elected. What an idiot. How, how, how could he think that he could run and win in a, because Osama bin Laden, the, you know, the emperor, the, the emperor, uh, the evil emperor from, from Star Wars, you know, <laughs> Osama, Obama, it's too close. Oh, and then his middle name is Hussein. Oh, and then there's all the controversy about his birth certificates. But then, yeah, which I thought was so funny, by the way, because I'm pretty. I would. Did his birth certificate ever come out? I bet he's like straight up American. But the whole the whole fact that people were questioning it was so funny. Well, and then it came out, and everybody's like, "No, nah, that's fake." <laughs> yeah, people just want to. People just want to believe what they want to believe. It, it, you know, the birth certificate it wasn't necessary. People, people, if they don't believe he's American, they were just going to be like, "Yeah, you know, he's 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 in power now. He fucking forged it." Well, and you know, Nikki Haley isn't even, I mean, she's American because she was born in America. Right. uh, uh, Allegedly. But you know, she's Indian. 
Her her legal name her her legal name is Nimrata Randawa. Her parents. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't trust that. <laughs> many many people are gonna be thinking that I don't trust that. Well, yeah, and I mean, but why? Like, why? I mean, for me, right? For me, it's more the deception that makes me yeah, distrustful. Yeah, yeah. The same thing yeah. with with Barack Obama. Like he he actually had the presence of mind to roll with his real name. In his campaign. But he was always Barry. Coming up. That was his name. And now we're not shocked to learn that Nimrata Randawa has been going by Nikki Haley. That's so funny. This whole time. I mean. That is really funny. And she's super white. Yeah. It's, I mean. That's, it's that's what I'm saying. Like. She spent a little too much time in South Carolina. <laughs> but, but that's that's cause for concern. It is definitely cause for concern in in the the Trump camp because she was elected to the South Carolina House of Representatives in 2005. She was the governor of South Carolina from 2011 to to 2017. Mm-hmm. So I think she drops out after South Carolina if if she doesn't win. And there's just, there's so many shenanigans. It's really hard for me to talk about the legitimacy of elections because there's so obviously so many ways. I mean, there's, I didn't prepare the story, but there's been more news coming out about Dominion voting systems, which are the, you know, the voting machines that are used in so many American states and how they can be accessed remotely and the remote whoever is accessing these terminals remotely can change vote totals through this remote access. And in Georgia, for example, where all the controversy controversy is happening with Donald Trump and Fannie Willis, that was uh, the secretary of state at the time, Brad Raffensperger, who I think is still secretary of state was trying ferociously to cover up the, these facts about D- Dominion voting and was dissembling and, and obfusc- obfuscating these uh, investigations and these requests for more information. Th- I mean, that could very well be the case in South Carolina. And you could see Nikki Haley come away with a victory. I, I, I really, I wouldn't be surprised one way or the other. But do you think Nikki Haley whitens her skin? It's a big thing among Indians. H- have you heard this? I have heard. I have heard of this. Yeah, I have heard of this. I mean, she is pretty white, though. Um, do you think she? Do you think she whitens? Yeah, she probably. She's probably rich enough to get some like really good shit, dude. I think she does. Do I, you reckon it's just from the neck up and the arms? Oh man, that that. <laughs> Are you trying to make me picture Nikki Haley without her clothes on? Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> let's read. Let's read it's, this. BBC it's a race, article baby. It's a race from from 2012. At BBC.com has skin whitening in India gone too far. By by Rajini Vadianathan. For centuries, Indian women have been raised to believe that fairness is beauty. And this has given rise to a vast and ever growing 
skin whitening industry, which is now encouraging women to bleach far beyond their hands and face. Whoa. It all began with a YouTube video a friend sent me. You need to see this, she said, trying to contain her shock and laughter. And so I pressed play. It was an advert. A couple sits on a sofa. The husband reads a paper, ignoring his beautiful wife. Her face, a picture of rejection. What could this be selling? Moments later, this scene of spurned love turned soapy when the leading lady was seen taking a shower. But she wasn't using any ordinary shower gel. No. She was using a skin lightning watch. Wash. <laughs> Which, as the graphic then popped up on screen, informed the viewer, would lighten her genitals. <laughs> Holy fucking moly. That's why your husband doesn't love you. Your, your genitals are too brown. Yuck! <laughs> I can't see it in the dark. Oh, it's so bizarre. Like, it I, is really bizarre. Should should we as uh, white people like uh, set up some kind of charity to like donate like little bits of skin? I think what should be done from right. my sort of anarcho capitalist libertarian political leanings this. is we need private businesses to yeah. create skin darkening creams. Oh, to to sell to white people. And I really don't like where this is going. <laughs> no, neither. I mean, we could call it, we could call it, you know, in America, it'd be an LLC, right? So we could call it Race Card LLC because after you're done, you can say whatever you like. Yeah, it should be. And it, it should be called, uh, the product should be called like identity or something like that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, some, something like inclusive, you know, yeah, something like, uh, yeah, like diversity or something. Like, yeah, like something and, like and, that. You and know? we'll market it. We'll market it to black and brown people, you know, <laughs> with different shades. But the shades will go by country. Like this darkening cream <laughs> is called Nigeria. If you want, so, <laughs> if you want to be that really th dark, you know, hot yeah. chocolate kind of color. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. But what's we'll have a Nordic range where it's just like basically like bright white. Yeah. You know? <laughs> we, yeah, this is our this is our Viking range of uh, of palettes. Yeah, <laughs> this one has little grains of sand in it so you can uh, cultivate some freckles. If you, <laughs> you want to look a little bit ginger. <laughs> you know, you know what? Like if this wasn't coming from us, if this is coming from some like left leaning CEO. Like this would sound completely normal. Oh, people would be eating it up. CNN. Yeah, would... they would. They would. Yeah, be who you want to be. Yeah. Although there's you know? going to be a big hump to get over with the whole blackface thing, because leftist media still brings up blackface. Yeah, I know. That's so twenty years ago. It really feels with, like uh, it. Yeah, with Justin Trudeau. I mean, he was the OG. He was, oh God, when who, and, and then guys like, like leftist darlings, like Jimmy Kimmel, who I feel, I feel really sad for Jimmy Kimmel. I want to believe, I don't yeah. want to believe that he is, uh, really a dyed in the wool leftist because he's best friends or at least was best friends with Adam Carolla. Like they came up together. They started, yeah. they both started working at the same radio station and, and Donald Trump. So. So Jimmy Kimmel was working on, on I think it was K-Rock in Los Angeles. 
And he was just like, he was trying to get his foot in the door. He was calling in and doing this Jimmy the Sports Guy character on, uh, I think it was the Kevin and Bean radio program. And a young Adam Carolla on a construction site was listening to this radio program. And he was also uh, like moonlighting as a boxing instructor at this boxing gym. So the Kevin and Bean radio program was putting together this event where they were going to have Jimmy the sports guy, Jimmy Kimmel, and some other guy that was another character on the show. They were going to do a boxing match, like a legit, like go out and get a trainer kind of boxing match. So Adam Carolla called up and said, hey, I'm a boxing instructor. I'll, you know, offer my services to your show and train up one of these guys to box, which ultimately became Jimmy Kimmel. So Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla got their start, you know, in a boxing gym and then eventually worked into Adam Carolla developing his Mr. Bertram character, which he called in uh, to Kevin and Bean with and then became a recurring character. And now here, you know, 40 years later, or however long it's been, he's developed this Mr. Bertram character into an animated, like an adult animated series. But Jimmy Kimmel now is this crazy radical leftist that says things like we should deny health care to people who are unvaccinated and Donald Trump is the devil and all the like. He's the he- he's the host of The Tonight Show. Yeah, yeah. And he's undoubtedly being forced to say these things, right? You would hope you would hope so, because like saying shit like that is just fucked. I really um, don't but, believe, you know. That it's these... such a corporate engine, though, that that show. Exactly. As, I would hate to work on that show. I can imagine it's just soul-destroying. You know, I know the guy makes loads of money, but, you know, what use is money if, if, like, all you're known for is just to be the face of some corporate entity? Like, that just sounds just horrifying. On one hand, you're... You're walking down the street, and if... I don't know, if, if you live in Hollywood... Los Angeles as he does you're probably getting high fives from all the other wacko leftists that I think are the only ones still left living in California but if you go anywhere else you're so recognizable I mean I know he gets a lot of hate it's just it's okay on on one hand you actually believe these things and you're a crackpot on the other hand You don't actually believe these things, but you're playing this character that does like what's worse. Not standing up for your actual beliefs or pretending that you believe things that you don't actually believe. It's a nightmare. It is. It is a real fucking nightmare. Uh, You know, on one hand, I feel for the guy. On the second hand, I feel like he's one of those uh, celebrities that goes, I have a platform, therefore I should use it to educate people. And I, I just hands down disagree with that mentality. I'm, I'm much more of the mentality of Dave Chappelle. That's like, I just like putting shit out there. If people listen to it, great. If people don't, great. But you want to stay true to your values kind of thing. But people like Jimmy Kimmel and other celebrities like Leonardo DiCaprio and... 
all those guys they're like right i'm famous so that means i must talk about something i know very little about well i think it's more i just need to say what i'm told to say and go along to get along like i think it was actually dave chappelle that said or no no well it was dave chappelle who was talking about kevin hart hosting the oscars and that being a thing that he's dreamed of doing his entire life. It's, it's been a goal of his. And they took it away from him because he made this gay joke. It's also something that Jimmy Kimmel wanted to do. And he has to ask himself, and I'm sure he has asked himself, is he willing to stand up for his personal beliefs and sacrifice everything that he's earned to this point? Or is he just going to shut up and read the teleprompter and maintain his legacy? And I think this ties in to Nikki Haley and the people that support her and her campaign. The gatekeepers in politics and the gatekeepers in films and music and video games, they realize that they're losing their control. Because we have things like this podcast, we have things like Steam where private game developers can take their indie game and have it platformed for people to buy. Where people can create their own news shows and put them on places like YouTube and Rumble and put a message out that doesn't jive with the corporate approved narrative. And now you add artificial intelligence into the mix and Mm -hmm. these industry officials like, so, okay. So we talked about playing some of these songs that have been created by artificial intelligence, right? Oh, you, you've heard about them. No doubt. They're all over the place. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard them. What I didn't count on learning is what a fit It's giving the industry gatekeepers to the point where they're taking these songs down, man. What's the most, for you personally, what's the most popular AI song in in your opinion? Or or, or what, what has worked its way into your cultural narrative most Uh, aggressively? Wow. I mean, I don't hear a lot of AI created stuff in my space, but I know... Of one where I might have been Calvin Harris made a track where he used Eminem's voice that was AI onto lyrics that Calvin Harris had written. And it ended up, it sounded pretty fucking excellent. Um, I might be wrong that it was Calvin Harris, but it was very similar. It It was a pop song. He played it live. He didn't release it, though. But he played it live, and people were like, "What the fuck? This sounds ridiculous. This sounds crazy." Is this it? Um, down, 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 down. Okay, okay. Yes, who's back? Back. Down, this down, might be it. Back yeah. again. Yeah. Down, down. Shady's back. Back. Down, down. Tell a friend. Yeah. 
and touched on everything. But little boys, this is AI generated. Um, so what? So do you know? Yeah. Like we we have a lot more to listen to. Like the the big one for me that I heard the most about is this one. Uh, Drake. So it, it was initially sold as this is Drake and the Weekend. They did a mashup, and then everybody freaked out. And two or three days later, it came out. Oh no! Just kidding. Uh, this was an AI. Okay, well, I was about to say, oh, the eight, oh, eight. And, and, and see, the, the reason that we have to listen to it in this context, with this guy listening to it and then making a video about it, is because the industry freaked out so hard, yeah. this, vid- this song is... Like, go look it up, AI Drake in the weekend, and see if you can find the video because it's being taken down and banned and suppressed because the gatekeepers don't like that kids can just take artificial intelligence and make cool songs. And I don't know if I like it either, to be honest. <laughs> I'm, I'm a musician, and this AI took my job. <laughs> what, yeah, what the it's, hell? It's, it's a really interesting one. It's a really interesting one. So I mean, how how does it work? Does somebody just say, "Make me a song that sounds like"? I mean, how, how does it go in in theory? I mean, you still have to put all the elements together. I, I don't think there is a single tool that you can say, "Hey, like just do this." But there's a lot of um, like text AI text to speech, or or now there's I think there's AI text to to spoke to song word and you submit to the ai you know a series of voices and stuff like that and you get it to train on a voice and then you feed it text and it will sing the voice based on what you've sent it that's machine learning and then ai and uh, and then you add those elements together obviously there's, there's that beat i can't i know that i know that um that that call mark of that beat. Um, this one? I can't which at the very beginning of the track. Of of which one? Of the Drake one. The Drake one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that producer mark. I've forgotten what his name is though, but Oh, I've now I've done it. Hold on, let me refresh. Let's see what happens. <laughs> this is fun. A lot of it is here we go. that right there yeah so somebody has to make that yeah that b is not ai because i know the producer mark for sure yeah so that, that's what i'm saying so the, so the the elements you know like a musician you know you have to still put it all together at this point I, i'm i'm assuming you know within the next five years that's gonna that's gonna change um because you know, we both know that an AI, once you feed it a bunch of stuff, it could very easily just put all this stuff into an arrangement. You know, it knows the chords. It knows what other tracks sound good. You know, you can just send it three tracks that you like. I like this track by Drake. I like this by Eminem. I like this by 50 Cent. Make me a, a rap song that sounds pretty similar. 
and then you come out with something and, and work with it. But at the moment, you still have to make all the individual elements and then put it together. So you have to get you have to get your vocals together. You have to get your beat together, and you still have to make it uh, into a track. But do you? Think, I think the yeah. I think that's yeah. So that's that's where it is right now. It's it's interesting. The state of the music industry, as far as I'm aware, is such that the artists don't really make very much money on the like the record side of of the music the artist makes their money on tour for the most part on on tour and merch like they don't make money as we've discussed they don't make money on Spotify or Apple Music they they might make a little bit of money from album sales but it's mostly tickets and merch and then like endorsements and appearances in in other places do you think <clears throat> you think the industry is really chomping at the bit to get rid of the artist altogether and start making AI the artist itself. Yeah, I mean for sure. Um, there, I mean, I think some one, people have one, to, or some some people would want to, undoubtedly. But as kind of like a bigger picture, like industry, like you, if you were the king of the industry, if you were the president yeah. of all music created from a business perspective. Would you be going, yeah, let's get rid of all these fucking artists that we're paying a nickel per play to? Or Dude, fuck yeah, bro. Because um, artists are problematic and, you know, they, you, you're relying on them to perform. And in AI, you can train to perform every time, 100%, and you have complete creative control over that from a corporate background. And then you can do, you know, you wouldn't want to have AI as the figurehead because people don't really vibe with that yet. Maybe in the future, not everywhere is like Japan where people like seeing holograms up on, on, on stage or something like that. But they, they like to have a figure that this person is this sound or something. And that brings me along to someone called Marshmallow. Now, Marshmallow is a big DJ. Mm. But make no mistake, Marshmallow is basically a corporate front. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a corporate cookie cutter in a box. This is, you will like this. You will like this. Um, and I can imagine that, you know, if I'm, if I'm the head of like a large record label or a large events company, I'm like, great, I can get someone that's young, that looks really nice, um, that's going to appeal to, you know, whatever demographic that is, you know, young guys, young girls, whatever, and then I can just feed them, you know, tracks that have been produced by an AI, and all they have to do is be the figurehead of that, I pay them whatever I need to pay them for that. And um, it just maximizes my my revenue share because that will be completely, um, you know, opaque to the end user. The end user doesn't see anything different. They hear the track, they like it um, because it's something they've heard before, but not really. And then they can uh, pin a face to that, which is this person. This is the, the new Taylor Swift. This is the new, you know, Kanye West or whatever that is. So. And it becomes and have, yeah. even more valuable. This is the latest Marshmallow track, by the way, released uh, on YouTube 12 days ago. With the, oh, wow. uh, the shift toward meta and the metaverse and mm -hmm. virtual reality, it becomes, it, it starts to make a lot more sense to my millennial brain. If they are having yeah, yeah. concerts in the metaverse, 
Well, then they don't they don't really have to have an artist. They can just have some AI rendering some uh, image that has been established as the most uh, uh, agreeable envisioning of a pop star, male or female, yeah, or, or, yeah, yeah, or who cares sure. if if you think the most popular. It, it, it can all be tailored to exactly what you want or you know and and completely devoid of anything that you don't want based on your personal preference with the motivation being just stay engaged we'll show you whatever you want to see we'll we'll play you whatever you want to hear just please don't leave stay yeah here i mean it's me uh, it's something that they already do um but of course you know someone like marshmallow they'll have a bunch of producers in the background producing stuff and you know he plays out and this kind of the other and you know he had a somewhat of a beginning um but you can cut out the producer you can cut out the mastering engineer you can cut out basically all of that well they already have they already have ai mastering where you can you can send your track out to be you know of, of course they don't tell you right away that oh this is an ai mastering service if you go and do review if you go read reviews independent reviews from other websites then you learn oh this is an ai mastering service that does pretty good Mm -hmm. or whatever i just think it's really interesting that it's being so stealthily rolled out when it's, yeah, it has to be though. It has to be because if people if people realize it's AI, then their inherent value that they think that that has goes down significantly. So it's like auto tune. Yeah, it's it. Well, yeah. I mean, it, but it won't be. Sometimes you know. Sometimes yeah. I mean, auto tune is either a value increaser or a decreaser depending on who's doing it. Like if well, someone it, that like T Pain. Right. So that's something that is an artistic element, right? But if someone like Taylor Swift uses it, which is more, she's more of an acoustic, she's more of a, you know, spoken word type person and she uses it, then her inherent value would be, would be reduced. But the, the difference is with AI is, at least with autotune, there's some kind of artistic element to that. Like, you know, TI's had to write the track and, you know, he does it and that's part of his sound. But AI is writing the whole fucking thing. So, you know, it's hard to say, I really like the way that this guy ask this ai to make this track like that's something that people aren't just gonna think they're gonna be like well this is just fake you know uh i like the tunes but this is just fake so they have to be really careful about how they market that and how they um how they uh it's a little advertise <laughs> I, I, I actually quite like t to be fair i listen to a lot of different music and t-pain is uh Guilty pleasure of mine for sure. For sure. Well, you can hear the auto tune. Yeah. I'm just looking for somebody to talk to and show me some love. It's an artistic thing for you. know what I mean? But it's the same with Flow Rider. It was, the, it was part of his sound. Yeah. And so that's like, you know, it, it, it's like you said, it becomes like an artistic tool because, I mean, I've. Dude, I've played with autotune. Right. In in myself and in pro in projects that I've been working on for for other people. It's uh it's not easy to get that sound. 
Like you can go, no, it's you can yeah. scroll through forum after forum. How do you get the T pain T pain sound? How do you get the T pain sound? Because it's an artistic style. Sure, it puts him on key, and that's kind of for me like what detracts from the use of auto tune. Like if you're using auto tune in your you know folk song because you're just not that good of a singer it becomes exactly what you're talking about yeah yeah with how the public will receive entire songs right developed by artificial intelligence there's no right, actual right. like yeah a computer can be perfect because it's a computer it's more impressive yeah, and, when a and person I think does it people attach the value of what other people do based on the fact that they've done it or that's their creative thing you know i want to go see kanye west because he sounds like this i want to go see megadeth because they sound like this if ai is creating the track and you're like i want to go see x person because ai has made all their music like that is you know they sound like this but ai has made it it's not them they're just the figurehead and if you know that then your inherent value goes down if you don't know that though if you don't know that and AI's made the tracks, then people go, I want to see, you know, X because they sound like this, just like you would with Drake, just like you would with Eminem, just like you would with, uh, you know, Papa Roach, whatever it might be. Um, so I think their ability to keep it under wraps is going to be so important because as soon as that gets out, then people will be like, nah, I'm not about it. I don't, I don't vibe with it anymore. It's so, you know, it's all fake. It's like that, you know, it's like, the, it's like people like the liver King, you know, when he was like, I don't take steroids, I don't take steroids. And then it came out that he took steroids and everyone's like, well, fuck, you yeah. know, that completely deletes your value. And like, he fell off basically instantly. Well, and that's, that's the way I see it. Yeah. That's introducing an interesting cultural sort of conflict because from sort of a political socioeconomic perspective, like we see that the younger generation, a lot of them, you know, like with the, the lay flat, you know, movement in, in yeah. Asia is yeah. they don't want to work. And you have an AI that does all of the work. How does, but how does that appeal to a generation of people that already don't want to work. They haven't undertaken anything that would expose how difficult creating anything actually is. Like I, I talk about uh, heavy metal music, for example. Not a lot of people enjoy heavy metal music. You know, it, it, sonically aesthetically but if you actually try to recreate some heavy metal music you learn really quickly that it's insanely difficult so it just makes me wonder like how is this the generation that will be in theory the consumers of a lot of ai created products in mm. the near future mm-hmm how would they respond to the level, like understanding the level of difficulty involved in 
doing anything, learning how to play the piano, for example. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I do believe that there's going to be some market for people to come out with an album and say, look, you can, I did not use AI to make this at all. And people will give that more value than it had before because they have learned how to do this. They have done it themselves. And then they say, look, here's the, all the music sheets. Here's a video of me doing it for proof. Or you can run it through an AI detector and you can detect that the music is real, for real. And people will like, people will love that. And there's going to be a lot of work, I believe, that some of the uh, music unions are probably going to push back pretty fucking hard on the record labels by saying, you must not use AI to get rid of us. And if you do, we're going to like just cause so much pain by lobbying some, you know, some regulator that you can't play AI on the radio uh, because of danger or something. They always make up some fucking rule. And, you know, all the tracks must go through like an AI detector. So you can't just, you know, release something under our name and then just gazump everyone in the industry. There's going to be a lot of pushback on this, a great deal of pushback. People aren't going to lie down and just take this. Um, and that, you know, works, works both ways. Either way, it's going to happen. And I think ultimately this, this AI generation that we're going into is going to deflate the value of so much shit. It's going to deflate the value of video. It's going to deflate the value of audio. It's going to deflate the value of the work that people do. And so I think this next generation is going to have to work pretty fucking hard, harder than a lot of other generations have had to work because the shit that they have learned to do or the shit they are doing or not doing is worth fuck all now. Uh, like I'm a developer and ChatGPT can kind of write everything I'm doing. Uh, and it does now. Like, I use it all the time to write my code. So, like, my inherent value has gone down so much because, like, all the developers are doing it. So it's like, you've got you to gotta imagine that the only things that are going to be valuable in the future are stuff that the AI just can't do yet. That's the kind of level we're at. Like, it's not going to be an electrician, okay? It's not going to be a plumber. It's not going to be in construction, like as a as a as a rule. It's not going to be in mechanics or anything like that. Oil rigs, I think, this kind of thing. I think yeah. it's going to come down to uh, like the same thing that we're seeing with uh, with self driving cars, right? Yeah, it's it's there and it works, but safety regulations, safety regulations, safety regulations. It's, it's not safe. And, and, and I mean, it, <clears throat> then that like will dovetail nicely into this same thing that we're dealing with uh, when it comes to coal and oil for our energy. The people running mm -hmm. the show are at the, the top tiers of control in the coal and oil industry. They want us to keep using coal and oil. And it's evidenced in, in this suppression of these AI tracks. The people that are in control don't want AI moving in on their turf. They no, want to keep it things. it massively deflates the value of them being around. So it's going like, to be this, the sensation of electric cars. Oh, it's so awesome. We're not going to have to pay for gas. But now uh, Elon Musk has to fight tooth and nail to accomplish anything because 
all the auto manufacturers and the coal and, and oil lobbies, they all want things to stay just the way they are. And that's yeah. why, I mean, that's, that's basically illustrates the state of the world and, and why it is where it is. Yeah, it's, there's two sides to everything. And I think AI is going to be systematically the most amazing and also the most challenging thing for humanity going forward. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how that turns out because I'm sitting here kind of guessing, but, you know, most people are overestimating what it can do this year and massively underestimating what it can do in five years. Visit Vox404.com, follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform, and share, share, share. Please share. Do it right now. I'll know if you don't. (laughs) Follow me on Twitter, (laughs) at EarthVox. Follow my co-host, at 404, missing underscore link. And if you'd like to get involved in the conversation, send an email to TheRealEarthVox at ProtonMail.com. Yeah, we'd love it when you guys get in touch. Be great to have a bit more uh, interaction and, you know, questions and stuff like that. I really love that. So um, really enjoyed this episode. And the last episode was really sick as well, actually. It was really strong. Uh, My favorite episode was last episode. It was just excellent. So please go and check that out next. And stay tuned for next week. And we'll be back talking, hopefully, with some more news on this Nikki Haley situation. Yes, we will talk to you soon.